Welcome back to the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Today, we won't be talking so much shit about anybody, but we'll be looking in the mirror and talking some shit about ourselves. I am one of your hosts, Andreas, and before we get into this therapy, feel sorry for ourselves, what is life discussion, I'll introduce my co-host, starting with the one and only Sam Bagrazadeh. I mean, this whole fucking season has been a disaster. It's been completely unenjoyable as a Chelsea fan. Uh, to be honest, it, it's probably my least favorite season, being a Chelsea fan. I mean, the race for top four, it's surely done after today. Um, I mean, who the fuck knows what we do in Champions League? We're already out of every other competition. So, I mean, you know, you've seen Champions League magic with this team before. Who knows? But... It, again, I'm just trying to set my circum, you know, expectations the rest of the season, and it's just terrible timing for the new owners and the boss, uh, new boss. Like in any other circumstance, Potter would probably be be gone, but you know, five year contract, no real transfer window. I mean, I don't see, I don't see it happening. But you know, I, 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 I'd maybe say there's no chance of him getting sacked, but also who knows? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and uh, thank you, Sam, for giving us your your how you're feeling right now. I mean, <laughs> I want to just jump off of that before I introduce Zach and let him have his moment. I just feel very disheartened by n- not by what the ownership and the manager have had to deal with. We always knew that was going to be tough. I'm disappointed by the players. I'm disappointed at their lack of backbone their lack of shame because at this point it is a shame that it the players have led fans to believe we should keep recycling who is in charge and who goes into press conferences mm-hmm. i think the manager needs to do better but at the same time i think he is extremely chained down by what tools he has at his disposal and like you said, it is a five-year contract. If that's truly what the project states, I want to see more backing. I know the, the owners have spent a lot of money, but obviously a lot more money needs to be spent. So, you know, Zach, I, will, I know you're going to cover some more of your feelings. Let us know what you think, man. How are you feeling? What are you thinking as of right now as a fan? leading into matches and what's what's to come this season. I'm depressed. I said it like a thousand times in every soccer-related group chat. I'm just so depressed. I feel like everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. Um, not just since we got back from the World Cup break, but even before that, the wheels were starting to fall off if they haven't completely already. Reese James comes back. Reese James gets injured. Pulisic comes back, finally gets his run. Looks like he's going to be off the flyer for the second half of the season. He gets injured. Sterling finally gets his goal in open play. He gets injured. Um, then you fast forward to today where 
you have another injury with Zakaria and then the issue with Zhao Felix and the red. I mean, it's it just feels like it can't really get any worse. And it's not it's different from what was it the the year we had our transfer 15 game. 16. Oh, uh the Lampard season. Sorry, I was thinking yeah. Jose Mourinho's second stint. Well, even 15 16, I mean, because that was technically our worst year in God knows how long up until this year. But I feel like this year is different and and it hits different because we're not just getting fucked um, from self-sabotage, you know, like Mourinho did in his press conferences and everything. I mean, Mourinho basically distanced himself from the squad and from ownership, and that's eventually where the falling out came. But with this, it just feels like it's a combination of what you said with the players. And then, you know, guys just not giving a fuck, guys not being good enough. And then you have the injury situation compounded on top of that. You have the sale of the entire club last summer. That was stressful. New ownership coming in, not having an established, uh, you know, uh, front office for lack of a better word. I know it's an American term, but basically a board of directors. Um, nothing was established when these guys came in. Um, Bowley was doing a lot of the deals himself, which was fine. But the issue remains the same. Like you said, there's been investment up to this point but it's just scratched the surface of what actually needs to be done. I think investing is one thing, but we also have to take a look at the medical staff. I feel like another non-contact injury is flat out unacceptable at the professional level. I don't know any other professional team in any other sport that's had injury issues like we have in terms of non-contact muscular injuries, especially when you're looking at guys like Zakaria who didn't even play the first half of the season or didn't even play that much during the World Cup. It's not like he has... To uh, you know, twelve hundred minutes under his belt this season, like some of the other guys do. So, I'm just frustrated, man. I really, I don't know how to feel. And I was telling my wife this while we were watching the game today. I'm just numb. As a fan, I am numb. Nothing really affects me. Nothing really moves the needle emotionally. I don't get too high or too low anymore. I am just numb. I think that. Yeah. I think. I think that's what's happening to me now. I'm getting numb to it. Like today yeah. should have pissed me off a lot more than it should have. But the reason why it didn't is because I knew it was coming. I, you, you I, just, I was so you just, mad. You just know it. The second our win got taken out of our sails in the first half, there was just this overwhelming sense of impending doom. It was just a matter of when. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I know. I'm like the eternal optimist out of the three of us and <laughs> even i'm i have zero expectations every any match moving forward i i'll watch but i'm not gonna lie to myself at this point because that's what i've been doing this whole season that it's gonna click i <clears throat> I, I was joking and and Joking with a with a little bit of a tongue in cheek, I do believe this team revolves around Reese James, but it is like I said, it's shameful that it does. It's shameful that it takes one guy on the pitch for everybody else to raise their standards. And yeah, it just goes to show how much more surgery this squad needs. You know, Koulibaly gets the tying goal because yes, we're about to talk about this match. We have to, and I thought, okay. Maybe something will change. But man, it's always that 60-minute mark where shit hits the fan. And like you said, Zach, everything from then on, I don't have any sense of belief. I don't think anything will happen. 
And that's kind of been the story of Chelsea for the majority, actually for all of 2022 and, and now at the beginning of 2023. So let's just kind of get to it. Fulham beat us two to one at the cottage, Craven Cottage. And the first goal, Aspie, Aspie Quetta, our captain. I think that's probably the nail. What is it? What is the, the thing? The nail, the, the, nail, nail in the coffin. Final nail in the coffin. The man went up against who should be someone he knows front, back, front ways, backwards, upside down, however you want to say it in Willian. Seriously. The one trick pony that is Willian. 34 and he year let old. him do his one trick against him. And then I didn't even to think dump- of that. Force him to his weak foot. What are you doing? Oh my god! I didn't even think of that. How many times as a known. Chelsea fan did we see the the William wiggle to the right foot? Yeah. How dude. many times in this podcast did I complain that that's the only thing William <laughs> had in his tool belt? It's that makes it so much worse. It's awful, and I, I guess what I'm I'm starting with Aspie as the talking point. The man was once the most locked down one v one defender in this league. And he now can't even do the basics. No closing down. He doesn't have the legs. He puts himself in a position where he needs the legs. He's not good in possession. He takes six extra touches instead of just recycling the ball around. I. This is worse than any other downfall. Like the Ivanovic downfall of that 15-16 season, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the same year, was never this bad, Zach. The Ivanovic downfall wasn't this bad because he was actually benched and Aspi replaced him. Um, so I think, you know, in, in a perfect world, Reese James is our first choice and he plays every match and we only see Aspi for the last 15 or 20 and that keeps Aspi fresher, it keeps Reese James fresh. It just protects both players. But there has to be another solution at this point. And, and I know you and I were going back and forth in our group chat earlier debating as to whether Trevo should have started as a right back in a back four. And my, I, I had an issue going into this match that Aspi was playing wing back, period. If he's going to play, it has to be a full back role where he's told not to step forward and, if anything, revert into a back three and tuck in more narrow to, to, to prevent players from uh, running onto Tiago and Koulibaly, who was, I mean... That's a whole other story to talk about Koulibaly. But for me, there has to be more solutions. I don't know if it's Trevor Chalaba. Um, In certain matches, I think that could be serviceable. I don't think it would be the long-term plan. I think we need to look at somebody in the market if possible. But the issue is every day we're seeing us linked with a fucking new name. And it doesn't seem like we're getting any closer on any of them. So my, my real concern here is come day, what are we going to do? Because, because right back is the major issue for me. You know, we were all over them in the first half until William did that little wiggle to his right, scored, and then all of a sudden the entire game flipped, our emotions flipped, our confidence flipped. I mean, it, it was a polar opposite of what we saw the first 15 or 20 minutes outside of, and I will say this on record because it's true, Joao Felix, Zakaria, and Diago Silva, I thought were the only three players that looked like they gave a rat's ass today. And yep. unfortunately, two of them couldn't even play the full 90. So and, and we'll, we'll get to, to the good. We'll finish with the good yeah. so that it's not all gloom and doom. But, but Sam, going back to the Aspie conversation, to, to kind of allude what Zach was saying about what we talked about off pod, I'm in the belief that 
shit is so bad that Aspie seems to still be what the manager thinks is the solution. That something in training at one point led him to think, okay, I'll put in Chalaba. And sure, it was Man City in the weekend. But then when the opportunity came again to play Chalaba as a right back, he opted into a back three with wingbacks, which puts Aspie on the pitch, Chalaba on the pitch as well. And we have yet to see anything else, even from the academy, be deployed at right back without having to force midfielders into a right wing back position. So what at this point do you do you agree? Like is it is it that dire or is it just as easy as just really just taking out Aspie and experimenting with someone else? You know, like looking back on the Barca transfer saga over the summer, you know, at the time I wanted to keep him, but looking back, we honestly should have let him go. Um, you know, I feel like the only reason why we kept him was you know to keep stability in the club and you know lack of leadership there's a lot of people a lot of outgoing to you know players trying to keep stability in that locker room but it's it's not really like the one thing that dave did contribute was probably like his leadership and i feel like Mm -hmm. i don't know it it doesn't seem like that's the case anymore when you see it but that's like it's just he's in a very Grant Potter's just in a very tough situation. What else is he going to do at this point? I mean, I when I did my predicted lineup, I put Davis right back because I I don't think there's any other option to be honest right now. So uh, I don't know who to blame. I mean, I don't think taking out Dave is necessarily the solution. We probably got to get someone else. Yeah. I- that, that's where it's tricky because it's really only Trevor Chalaba that could play out there. And and like I said, I use the word He's serviceable. Today. I used it. Sir, I used the word serviceable carefully because you really don't know what you're going to get from him day in and day out. He now. Like I think today he was so bad. He, it was easily his worst performance in a in a Chelsea shirt, yeah. at least within the first team. So I almost want to say that we should just revert to that back three again and just. Why not just go with an attacking wing back at this point? It's it, it's 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 not like it's going to hurt us any more than playing Dave out there. I mean, he was, yeah. and the thing is, I feel like I'm, I, and I'm sure you guys share the same sentiment. Sentiment. I feel like it's a it's a sin to talk shit about him because he's been such a loyal, you know, reliable player for us throughout the years, and I'll always have a soft spot for him regardless. But I mean, you just kind of have to look at. If you're Potter, you have to look at it and just say, like, all right, I, I've done this three or four times now. It hasn't worked. Let's just try something different. And I think to answer your question, Sam, Dave keeps getting into the team, not just because there's a lack of options, but I think because Potter sees in training that he's a trier. He's one of the only guys that's professional. You know, he turns up week in, week out, always gives it 100%, regardless of, of how we're playing. Not saying that that should deserve a trophy or a participation medal, but... I mean, maybe that's what Potter's seeing. I don't know. We'll we'll get into what we think should come next in a little bit. But you mentioned Chalaba not doing great. And honestly, I'll go ahead and tie in Koulibaly in there as well. Because outside of Thiago Silva, both of them were liabilities. Fulham targeted the wide spaces all game. And we were honestly lucky not to have lost by a third goal or fourth at the end. Because... All they were doing were spamming crosses from out wide and they were getting good chances from with. 
Chalaba and Koulibaly, they were out of position. They couldn't complete passes. Dumb headers backwards. It just, yeah, it just was not pretty from the two of them. I had me wishing that Badiashio has been here for weeks just to force Benoit in there. I don't even know if the kid speaks a lick of English or if he's even had more than two training sessions, but it was awful. So what what did you think of those two guys today? I mean, do you think Joao Felix speaks English? Maybe. His Joao interview English. his interview was in English. It was oh, really? a lot more yeah. it was a lot more English than Benoit Benoit's uh Benoit's was very short phrases. I didn't watch and, either. But... And Felix had like full blown sentences. Yeah. Simple sentences, <laughs> but like you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so talking about that back line, you 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 grouped Chalaba, Koulibaly together. Like, throw in Lewis Hall also in that group yeah. because he looked, he looked lost. He looked rattled. Like, I, I think him and Chalaba, too. right? I, him and yeah. Chalaba just look shook. And it really, and I just don't think they ever got their confidence back throughout the match. And to not make a change at halftime was a really weird decision. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Koulibaly, man, what what the fuck has wrong, been wrong with him? Like, he's a... I, I don't know. I don't want to buy any more players from Syria anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> I have the Bundesliga tax, but now there's a Syria tax as well. I mean, I, th- this is the frustration with the, that I was referring to earlier in the Discord. Like, it's it, it. I'm not really having a Lewis Hall like criticism. It's okay to criticize and say he didn't play well today, but I'm not gonna hang my hat on that. Judge him as a player because he's been put into a shitty situation. He's playing out of position. He's kind of doing what he can, but he's Kula never Bali, played in his position for us. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's only played as a wing back or a left back. So left wing back, left wing, left back. Never in a center mid position, which is what made him be uh, at 19 part of the u20 what is it u21s he's been one of the youngest players on the top academy team for playing center mid i mean but this is my problem like like you 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 couple koulibaly and trevor chalaba i want to couple koulibaly in with all of the other full-fledged internationals that have been around the game and been around professional football for the better part of 10 years i'm talking guys like kovacic we already talked about guys like Azpilicueta. I mean, it, you can even look at the other players that are capped for their national teams that played today, like Mason Mount. Uh, Kai Havertz is a good example. I mean, what's frustrating to me is, and Koulibaly is case in point of this, these are guys that when they step into the national team pictures, they're fucking phenomenal. Koulibaly's the captain of Senegal. He scored in the World Cup. He had a great tournament. Same thing with Kovacic. We talked about Kovacic in our World Cup pod. Kovacic had one of the most underrated World Cup performances in recent memory, you know, from a non-flashy player, right? And Kai Havertz had a decent World Cup for Germany, scored two goals in their last game. I know they didn't advance, but, like, he's good for his country. That's the thing that's frustrating for me, is, like, they come into Chelsea, and it's like they're completely different players. It's like they, they've almost been stripped of, of, of their God-given talent and you know, a bunch of imposters just decided to show up. I mean, have a little bit of professional fucking decency and, and, and a little bit of respect for the fans even because frankly what we're seeing out there is just, it's not good enough. We're seeing lapses in focus. 
We're seeing uh, players not trying their hardest. We're seeing guys pulling out of tackles, not being first to the ball. I mean, these are just the basics. I'm not asking to win every single match 2-3-0 and wipe the floor with everybody. No, I don't even give a fuck if we lose. I just want to play well. I want the 11 players on the pitch showing me that they actually want to be here. And that's just something that I haven't seen from a lot of these international guys. And I think that's where... The core of my frustration is, you know, there's a bunch of other aspects to it as well, but it starts there. I mean, the bare minimum, even though we talk about Dave being cooked at 33 years old or Koulibaly's 31, I mean, yeah, these guys are on the wrong side of 30, but they should be getting the job done this season right now at this point in time. The present day, they should be getting the job done. I don't give a fuck what what they're going to do two, three, four years from now. I don't care. But right now, when you get called on, show up and actually play well. Like, Kovacic was dog shit today. Mount was dog shit today. Kai Havertz, he he looked like he cared for once, but he's still tripping over his own fucking feet like a baby giraffe. It's just... This doesn't yeah. happen when he goes to Germany, right? I know Mount's gotten some criticism with the with the with the English national team, so I'll back off there a little bit. But what about guys like Koulibaly who are fucking phenomenal for their national team? Or guys like Dave as well. It's just... You know, I feel like you can couple Koulibaly into that argument of like just a bunch of international guys who just don't give a fuck. That's how it's coming off to me. I mean, it, you're talking about these players who play better on their international team and then come back to Chelsea and don't put as much effort. Like, doesn't that fall on the shoulders of the manager? I think I, I really do believe that that's like a big role that a manager should play, you know, inspiring the players making them want to play like why is it that they want to represent their country and play in the world cup but they can't you know represent the badge i feel like it's easier said than done uh easier said than done though Sam. because like i mean i'll sure. use antonio i'll use antonio conte as an example like i've seen a lot of criticism that grand potter doesn't stand up and wave his arms and he's not like he's not that energizer bunny on the sideline like we saw conte or Mourinho be but like Look at Conte at Tottenham right now. I mean, he's he's bitching and complaining about his players' efforts still. And that's a guy that literally cusses his team out before every kickoff. So I don't know if it's on the manager necessarily. I do think the manager has a huge part in motivating the players and keeping them motivated. But in this case, the bare minimum for those guys is when they clock in to just try. Yeah, um... With Koulibaly, the thing that disappoints me most is honestly the fact that he was supposed to be ready-made. One of the best Serie A defenders, captain of Napoli, captain of Senegal. You just thought that, oh, okay, we lost Rudiger, but we stole the captain and arguably one of the two best center backs out of Serie A. And unfortunately, the guy is not even a shadow of what Rudiger was providing for us. And, and at this point, I'm ready for him to take a long break from the starting 11 because he wasn't even able to do the simple things. And that's where, and that's where for me, I draw the line. It's not that he got outran by a young forward from Forrest who's trying to prove himself and beat Chelsea, is that he can't do a backwards header to the keeper. He couldn't connect passes to Kovacic, who was 10 yards away. It was just error after error after error. And he's, like you said, Zach, in his 30s. He should be a leader. He should be an example. 
at this point, I will only tolerate those sort of mistakes from the kids who are still learning. Lewis Hall not finishing a volley. I will forgive him. He is 19 years old. He hasn't done it before. He hasn't been at a top level yet. He's trying to be there. But Koulibaly, no. And Chalaba, honestly, like, we clamored for him to get back into the starting 11, whether it's out of position or at center back. But, man, it feels like he does this thing where when we ask for him, he crumbles. And when we, like, kind of, like, oh, let's let's take our foot off the pedal for Chalaba, he's still young, and, and we kind of take the pressure off, he'll do good again. And, and I don't understand where the disconnect comes for, for him because he can be so solid, but it feels like he's only solid when the team is solid. Like when he was down with Tuchel was when we were going, we were poor again. And then now he wasn't playing. We asked for him to come back and it's like, dude, you're not doing yourself any favors either. Like Aspie can get cooked over and over and over again by Anthony Robinson or William, but he's supposed to be there to then clean it up. And it just felt like it was a double jeopardy on the flanks. So to me, I think, you know, like I said, it makes me wish Fofana, I, I'll donate my knee to Fofana and, and Badia Shield hopefully can, can play ASAP because I think both of those guys, they need to be shaken up or something. It, it sucks. It sucks that Tiago, who is approaching 40, is still the only guy we can rely on for 90 minutes in that back line. It's it's disappointing, but um, I want to talk a little bit more about our attacks disappointment before we talk about the one bright spot. And today for me, there were so many chances where the team did what they're supposed to in this 3-4-3, where we absorbed what Fulham was coming at us for, and we were going to explode vertically in transition, catch them as we bomb forward. And my goodness, man, I have never seen so players be as brained as Kai and Mason Mount today. There was time after time where the new guy, Gal Felix, who we will get into details in a second, was making the run, was laying it off when he had to, getting open again, making runs to allow them to dribble into space. And these two guys, time and time again, made the wrong choice. Dribbled instead of passed. Passed in the crazy direction instead of the easy pass or to the open guy that somebody else made a run for. These are guys who have been in this system now for three years. The 3-4-3 should not be foreign to them. Playing Fulham at Craven Co- uh, at the Cottage should not be foreign to them. Yet... These two guys have regressed so much when these two names should be the building blocks on this team. I don't know what you guys made of today's performance from Kai and Mason Mount, but I'm at this point, Kai, I don't think he'll be a Premier League fit, even though he's 23 and I've been wanting to give him time over and over and over again. And I've gotten to the point where Mason Mount is never going to be a 10. I stand very firm on both of those things after today's match. Mount is not an advanced playmaker, and Kai Havertz is not cut for this league. Super yeah. talented, not cut for this league. Zach? Yeah, we need to sell Kai. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm absolutely over it in every way, shape, and form. 
you know, he's had so many opportunities to sort of will us through through some games and will us through difficult periods, which strikers are supposed to do, which star players... I mean, I mean that's why you spend 70-plus million on a guy. So when your team decides to play like shit one day, he'll nick you the odd goal or get you that odd assist, get you over the line. And he's only won us the Champions League final and hasn't done shit since then. I don't have a single core memory of him since the Champions League final. When it comes to Mason Mount... I'm a little bit more concerned because there's a really, really nasty rhetoric around him right now, just in terms of the Chelsea fans. Um, it seems to be very bipolar in terms of half the fans love him and half the fans absolutely hate him. I'm not down on the guy, but I do th- I'm do. i at the point now where, Andy, like you, I don't think he's a 10, but I'll go one step further. I think he needs some protecting from the manager at this point. To just keep playing him out there is only going to make him worse. It's only going to kill his confidence more. And I feel like the same thing happened to Koulibaly, where he came back from the World Cup, has been forced to play these heavy minutes, and then, I mean, you suffer three or four heavy defeats in a row, and you're starting all those matches. It's not going to weigh well on your conscience or on your mental going into the next one. And I think Mount is starting to creep into that territory of he visibly looks uncomfortable. He visibly lacks the confidence that he had the last year or two years. And maybe it's time to take a look at him and say, okay, until we get a functioning midfield or midfield pairing or whatever you want to call it going, at least establish an identity before we bring him back into the fold. Because just like Kai, he's not the kind of guy that's going to will you through games if the rest of the team is playing like shit. He's not going to split a couple defenders with a line-breaking pass. He's not going to stick one in the top corner from 35 yards out. Mason Mount functions better when there's... Uh, a, a team and a system around him that he can sort of fit into. He can't have that. He, he can't be the the focal point of it himself, which I think he's being asked to do, especially when we went down to 10 men. So I don't know, man. I, I want to see a refreshed attack. I want to see something fucking new, just like with Dave not working as a right back. How about up top? We start playing a little bit. I mean, didn't he hip toss a city player when he made his debut in the, in the cup? Right, we spent this money on him. We're, we're all the reports that I've read about him have said that Chelsea are going to take a look at him and make a long-term decision or make a decision regarding the rest of the season for him come to end of the month in terms of we loan him or we keep him. Keep him, keep him on the team. Give him some playing time and not playing time in the sense of thirty minutes at the end of the match or twenty minutes. Give him three, four, five, five matches. Let him have a consistent run out and actually see what he can offer us for once. I mean. That's just one name that's out there. The other one that's glaringly obvious, and this is the name I would have started over Aspie today, was Chuck Wameka. I would have went with a back four and thrown Chuck in the, into the attack to help support Kai and, uh, and Joao Felix, which, again, when he came on today, he looks re- The guy looks like yeah. he's hungry. He, he gives us everything that all those other players, and especially those internationals I mentioned earlier, are lacking, where it's the desire, the effort, the work rate, the ability to create something special, the, the willingness to play the difficult ball and not be scared of losing it. Which I think he nutmegged a defender right at the end of the game and Kai overran the pass a little bit. The pass was a little bit behind him. Still should have done better. But there's so many other names on, in this team that we still haven't even given the opportunity to. And I think that's what's also frustrating about seeing Kai and Mason Mount and guys like that get the call out time and time again. So I think for both of them, the situation's the same. With Kai, you got to find a way to sell him at the end of the summer and recoup the value because it's clear that a guy like Joao Felix 
is going to be in the pecking order ahead of him, and he's a similar profile. You can't have two floating tens in the same team. So that's number one. Number two is we got to find a way to protect Mason Mount. You have to. He can't keep playing like this. Otherwise, he he he's going to wind up not playing at Chelsea in a few years' time. Honestly, like I'll even go as far to say that. It just hasn't been good enough from him. And I think a huge responsibility is on the manager to look at that and say, okay, at what point do I need to protect this young player? Because he's won the Champions League, but it's not like he's 27, 28 and has won player of the season before. The kid's still pretty young. Okay, so with Mason Mount, I don't know why I've been thinking about this and... I don't want to say it because it might be in like the most insane thing I could suggest. But if you think about what Mason Mount excels in, he's technically an excellent passer, an excellent crosser. Like you see him on set pieces. He delivers a, a good quality ball technically. And then, you know, he, the, the cross early in the match he had to Joao Felix, that was a great ball. He just doesn't have the creativity to play in the middle of the pitch. What if we tried him at right wing back? Is that like a is that absolutely insane? I mean, he's got I think a better work rate than most people on our team right now. Like we have a glaring hole there. He's able to be a little bit creative by sending in crosses and kind of doing that Reese James role. I don't know. Is that like? crazy it's it's crazy like it's there's no way i i don't know if it's like here's my two cents i think right now the reason we're not seeing like these like einstein like mad scientist level thought processes is that you keep hearing the word project being tossed around but at the same time you have potter kind of half-assing leaning into the project because to me like he should, should go for it. Fucking try it. He put Connor Gallagher out there at one point. And you tell me, oh, well, Mount contributes with goals. I don't remember Mount's last goal. So, like, why have him in the middle if he's not scoring? So, yeah, sure. I, I don't think that's crazy because Mount was an outside mid at Vitesse. Like, he did it up for a while. He was just, I mean, and he took all the set pieces for them and he had crazy, like, goal and assist numbers. So, like, why not, honestly? Because he's not doing much for you in the middle. Um, I don't know if like he's got the 1v1 ability, perhaps, but... Does Dave have that? No, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. And the thing is, is like today with the 3-4-3, I was like, you know, this should like be perfect for Mount because he was doing really good under Tuchel in this position. He got to help in midfield if he needed to. He got to push forward if he needed to. And then today it was like, I don't know if if just actually seeing offensive talent next to him made me open my eyes to be like, oh shit, no, this isn't as good as it gets. Yeah. And then on top of that, he was just had a freaking awful performance. But if he's not going to, if, if Potter's not going to do what you're suggesting, where it's like, oh, let's lean into the things he's doing well right now is, I want to see, like, commit to where you think these guys are going to play in your long term to see if it'll yeah. work. To see That's if it'll what... work. But but I'll get, we'll get into the solutions and, and, and what we should do in a second because we need wait, to wait, talk wait, about. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. Because, because Zach's whole point was, 
have we to gotta protect, protect Mason. We have to protect <laughs> Mason Mountain. My, <laughs> my suggestion was play him at right wing back. When I said and that, was, Zach's was, face was like, I totally get it. I totally get it because because <laughs> I, I, I even thought it at this at one point watch, while watching the game today too, where it was like, all right, fuck it, let's just try something completely different. I don't care if we change everybody's positions, but at least we'll be trying something new. But in the long run, you do have to think about how that's going to weigh in on the player. Yeah. I mean, if you if you play if you <laughs> hypothetically play point, as a right wing back, he could potentially look like Lewis Hall did in the first half, where he's just all over the goddamn place. So and that's fine. That's fine. He can't look any worse than he does. With, in, in where we'll, he's we'll get playing. to we'll get to to how we want to fix things in a second. But we need to talk about Jao Felix. The man got signed literally officially yesterday, straight into the side. Number 11 jersey, full name on the back of the kit. And I don't know, guys, but to me, it was amazing. Literally, from the first touch, I was inspired. It made me forget how shitty the rest of this team has been for at least 15, <laughs> 59 minutes. Because in the first set of touches he had, he nutmegged a dude while getting into a very dangerous position just for somebody else not to tap it in. His first display in attack. And, and it wasn't just that. The dude took six shots today. Six. When was the last time anybody on this team took six shots in one match? Four of them on target, by the way. One off target and the other one blocked. Six shots. Pushing the envelope. Dribbling it up the middle. Dribbling in the outside dispossessed zero times if he lost the balls because he was fouled and and the craziest part of all this before the the awful ending to it the dude won six of eight ground duels the guy hasn't been here for a week he has no connection to this club and he outperformed one of our own in mason mount he outperformed Captain Aspilicueta, he out-tackled center-back of the future, Trevor Chalaba. What the fuck was, dude, where has this, where, what, is this going to be the first transfer we get in January that's actually going to pay out? I know he's alone still, and and I know, like, no option, obligation to buy whatever. I swear this dude's going to be here for a while for some reason, but, like... Yeah, stupid red card. Let's toss that out there. Fucking taints. Deserved. Deserved, yes. Cleats up. Very Diego Simeone. The guy obviously just got here. Forgot he's (laughs) no longer playing for him. Yeah. But, like, saw him, like, how did What was your reaction to Zhao Felix? Oh, my God. I mean, I can't remember a debut quite like his. Um it was like I just I just why can't we just have good things like Zakaria getting hurt and then that red card happened like simultaneously like right Two after minutes apart. and this was like right after we just we you know we we scored a goal you tied it we kind of looked like we had a chance and then those two things happened withdraw Felix out I knew we had no chance he was and I. I was, I'll admit that I was not crazy about this deal. I just thought, like, why? Like, what's the point? Um, 
I haven't always been like the highest on Joao Felix, but he definitely proved me wrong in this first match, and it looked it looked so good. Like all my friends who didn't watch the match, they're like, "Oh, Joao Felix got a red card in the first match. How did that happen?" And I was like, "Dude, before that, he looked unreal. Like, yeah, it was it was crazy. He looked like a world beater before. I mean." And now we're 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 not gonna have him for three matches. That's a month. like a month. Like a He'll be back around the same time. Reese, James, and Zakaria are back. <laughs> Just wait and see. Um, mm-hmm. Oh look, I he was fucking amazing from the first minute. I mean, first touch was a nutmeg, and his third touch he drew a foul, which turned out to be a yellow card. Um, I think the thing that surprised me the most about him is how willing. Um, the rest of the squad were to put effort in once they saw that he was the real deal. Like after he made his first touch, the rest of the attack just kind of perked their ears up and went, "Oh, okay, I think we have a chance here." And it kind of breathed a little bit of life into us. I mean, I'll be—I'll go as far to say that we just played flat out good football the first fifteen or twenty minutes up until we conceded. Um, at least in the attacking sense, we were breaking forward, like Andres said, vertically. We were making—we were making line-breaking passes bypassing their midfield with one pass. I mean, late runners into the box, Joao Felix high switching positions. And he seemed to be given that, uh, that free roll that Kai normally gets where he can just kind of go as he chooses and pick up the ball and um, sort of create and work from there. And I think he's more well-suited to that because he seems a lot more mobile than Kai does, right? And, and that's something I was going to get to was what surprised me most about him was his pace. I did not expect him to have straight line pace like he does. Um he beat Jedi Robinson in a in a straight sprint. Um a long you know, one to, too. Yeah, exactly. And so and he had to get fouled. Yeah, yeah, and he got fouled. So a part of me, I'm gonna be honest, felt like he was gonna be a Portuguese Kai Havertz because they do have a similar profile in terms of what they can offer to the team. But I think I think the difference between the two is Joao Felix is a lot more motivated. And I think Joao Felix just uh he just seems like he's more polished at this point than Kai is. I'm also going to add something that I don't know if this is a hot take or not. Y'all can stop me. But when you think of of German players, right, the stereotypical good elite German player is not a flashy twinkle toes kind of guy. Right. Like it's not this like. Right. It's a it's an it's German engineering, efficient, tough, consistent. That's what you think of when you think of German greats. But when you think of Portuguese greats, obviously you've got Ronaldo at the top, but your Figo, your Rui Costa, your Deco, none of these dudes were crazy buff, but they had that fight, that bite. And it comes like, I almost think that's almost cultural to, to what their brand of football is. So on paper and on video, you see Jao Felix and Kai Havertz, like you said, Zach, where it's very alike, like, uh, the the passing, the movement, the off the ball movement to get into the scoring positions, but I think Joao Felix adds that almost cultural to his like where it's like he is from this sort of brand of football and he epitomizes it. While Kai is almost like this out of the mold for Germans and and honestly coming at the worst time for German football. So like it it's almost like sure. Visually on YouTube, you see similar things, but then you see it simultaneous and you see the difference, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Jao, sure. Like, Kai should be motivated. Why shouldn't he be? 
Like, uh, Joao Felix doesn't know the guys around him, and he was making other people look good. He made Kai look good at certain times. He made Mason Mount look good at certain times. But then whenever we needed them to look their best, they missed him time and time again. So it's just it's just crazy, man. I I just think, like, in one match, I can already tell you that Zhao Felix is going to have a lot more fight than when Kai just picks and chooses to be a shithouse player. This just, this just also makes me sad because when you look at the way Joao Felix plays, he's crying out for just the pure-blooded goal scorer, just a natural-born killer up top to play next to him that he can just yep. feed, right? It makes me that much more sad that Armando Brojo's out. That's, because, oh my goodness, you took the words out of my mouth, man. That's... That pairing is just a match made in heaven stylistically. It's exactly what Brojo needs to kind of bounce off of. Somebody that could pick out an early ball that's willing to take um, that's willing to take the creative side of things off of the shoulders of the center forward. And then Broja can just be that Diego Costa brute fucking goal scorer and just wrestle people to the ground and score a shit ton of goals. I think it's inevitable, but uh, I, the key, you said the key that. is signing Joao Felix on a permanent. Like I know it sounds crazy that we're talking about this only after one appearance, and the guy picked up a red card. He's out for the next three games. But yeah, we we won't see him for thirty days, like thirty calendar days, because there's like a an international, not an international. Yeah, it is an international break in January. Pick up the at some phone. Point. Pick up the phone and throw the fucking Enzo money at Atletico and say, <laughs> "Let's add a clause to this contract. We will pay right now." It. Uh, fuck it. Right. right now. The fans are already singing his name. Bro, he's got a song. The man had a song before he's, he touched the soccer ball. I mean, football, it, it, excuse it sound, me. It sounds crazy because we're only 15 minutes. It, it, or we were only like, it's, it, it seems like only 15 minutes into his whole entire career here at Chelsea. But he, he's only played there and he's already looked, he's already done more in that hour creatively than Kai has done for us all season long. Barring the what three or four goals he scored, and I don't know if that makes us just extremely reactionary or it's just we're just that down da- we're down that bad, you know? No, no. Uh, I, I and think, he was, I think, I think he was that good. The, the, the one yeah. thing, the one thing that I'm worried about, and I know we're trying to move on, but the one thing I'm worried about is if Nkunku comes in and we do pursue a long-term Joao Felix deal, how does it work out between them two on the pitch at the same time? Because oh, I feel I'm, like I've already been thinking maybe, about it. Yeah, how, how does I, it work? Because here's how I see it: you can play in a in a four. It, it's it's a Christmas tree formation, the Ancelotti famous Christmas tree formation. It's a four three two one. We already use our fullbacks for true width, so you have a true nine. No more of this fluid false nine bullshit. You have a true nine with two free center attacking mids behind him, being Nkunku and and Felix, and then you play three eights behind them with one being kind of like your stay back, so like your true DM. So you have a midfield three, however you want to build that. You have Felix and Nkunku in a free attacking mid role behind a true nine, and your width comes from your fullbacks. It's what AC Milan did when they won their Champions Leagues under under Ancelotti, and it was Kaká, Shevchenko, and I'm missing the third piece. I'm missing who the third piece is right now. Pirlo was in the midfield three with Gattuso and Seydorf. I, oh, I can't remember. Yeah, the front three. But the way it would work is we already used Reese James as that fullback on the right. And when, Chilwell, and when Chilwell was healthy, he was doing the exact same thing on the opposite end. Mm-hmm. So 
to me, it's a four three two one Christmas tree. That's what it always been nicknamed. And you have to play with an athletic back line. And and sorry, that means that we may have to cut our losses with Koulibaly. Because he is literally like low block central. Like that's as far as it goes for me with him at as as I see it right now. Mm-hmm. But this is the perfect time to transition because we need to think about what comes next. Because that's that's the only thing we can try to do at this point as Chelsea fans, because this season is a wash. We're in tenth place. The the more I think of it, the it's only ten points on paper from top four, but man, that looks like a fucking hundred points. Yeah. So it's been reported that Potter had a meeting already this week with Aspi, Tiago, Jorginho, and Kovacic about, you know, how the hell do we keep everything good and whatnot. Then he also still has 10 first-teamers out injured. Chilwell, Fofana, and James are supposed to be back by February. Conte, apparently as early as March, which doesn't really sound early. Ballistic is out for at least two months, and Sterling at least out for one month. On top of all that, we saw on the pitch today the healthy players aren't doing shit. So... Whoever wants to start, what is your plan for the immediate future? It's still the January window. We are only, time of recording, 12 days into January. In England, it's already the 13th day. Um, are you going to get rid of the manager again? What, what is, what, let's, let's play, let's play board member again, Zach. You're about to talk. What's, what's yeah. your rest of the year plan? There's still a lot of work to do in the January window. I think priority number one is getting a, a backup right back and bringing in another central midfield player. We absolutely have to. No questions asked. Um, and, and I alluded to it earlier. It's a little concerning to me that we haven't been consistently linked with one player or the other. Um, it really just seems to be, okay, well, we're still talking to Benfica behind the scenes and we'll just kind of wait and see what happens. Well, what if Enzo Fernandez falls through? What's plan B? Same thing with the right-back situation. It was Pedro Porro one day, it's Kyle Walker-Peters the next. Who the fuck is it? Let's identify the target, call that team, ask them their price, and pay it. At this point, the longer we wait, the higher the prices are going to get. And I don't know who was the one that mentioned it, but um, somebody in the group chat uh, earlier today, fuck, I forgot what player they mentioned, but, but when Zakaria went down, yeah, it was when Zakaria went down, they said, how much is Enzo's price going to go up? Like... I said Caicedo is now 100 million. Or Caicedo, Caicedo, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. You're like, Caicedo's 100 million now. And if you're another team, if I'm Brighton, I'm looking at that and going, yeah, we can, we can squeeze another 8 to 10 million out of Chelsea. They're even much more desperate now. Then after Crystal Palace on Sunday, they'll be even more desperate because I'm sure there'll be another muscular non contact injury that happens then. Um, that's number one. Number two is you have to keep Graham Potter. And I know that he deserves some levels of criticism. His team selection, the chopping and changing, he's not scot-free from any of this. But at the same time, what does sacking him actually accomplish? It leaves you with the same dressing room, it leaves you with the same dead weight, and it also leaves you in the same position in the table. And if you really, really want to look at things even more in-depth and more cynically, but realistic, let's just be honest with ourselves, who's going to want this job? absolutely nobody 
There is no top. You're not going to pick up the phone and call Mauricio Pochettino and convince him to come to Chelsea. You're not going to call Zinedine Zidane and convince him to come to Chelsea. It's just not going to happen. Money talks. Listen, money talks. I think we might have lost Zach there for a second. Zach, Champions League. Wait, so was, wait, Zach, you got, um, you know, you the, got cut out. Yeah, well, I I said money talk. He gets cut out again. So, right, uh, Zach, pause, pause when you come back. Your camera's frozen. Figure out your side of things. But, Sam, yeah. what is your, your short term? How are you seeing the rest of the season? Like, what would you be, be trying to do here? Okay, ju- addressing the transfers first. I can't decide whether, I mean, as far as making moves, like, I'm totally fine, like, buying players that don't come in immediately in January. They come in at the, come in next season. Just because this year is, it's kind of a wash. Like, I'd, I'd rather not target players that fix, like, this season problems, you know? Because this season's probably, it's pretty much washed at this point. Yeah. But everything that Zach said, I agree. Um, I, as far as like who should we should be targeting, but um, the whole Graham Potter thing, I said this when I started. It's in any other situation, Graham Potter would be out based on these results. I mean, three losses in a row. We, he's like, if you look at our at our form. It's like loss, 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 win, draw, loss, 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 loss. Um, but you know the circumstance of it being a five-year deal that we just signed him to. There's already a lot of instability. New owner. We had sacked, you know, Thomas Tuchel, a guy who won us a Champions League trophy. It's not a good look. You know, you you say you're we're trying to change the way we do business, and that we don't we don't want to go on this manager cycle like you know just like a circus whatever it's called carousel that's the word i'm I'm trying to think of yeah where uh you know you give them a year and a half less in some cases and you find someone new so you know you've already committed to that you don't want to go back on your word if you're the owners uh but i don't know there's not there's not a whole lot that convinces me that Graham Potter is the right guy. You know, like it's not like I'm not seeing the vision, I guess. I'm not saying that he should be sacked, but if there were like individual things I could identify specifically while watching this Chelsea game that it's like, oh, X looks a lot better under Graham Potter. I don't know. I just I, I haven't seen it yet. I think and here's my like rebuttal to that. I think we're used to if a new manager comes midway through the season, they're just let's see how can I fix everything immediately for the now. Thomas Tuchel played the most conservative football we've seen in a long time. Those first six months worked out to his advantage, right? We frustrated the hell out of the teams. We were winning one zeros left and right. It wasn't enjoyable, but he got the results. Uh, when Gus Hiddink would take over, he would go back to the 4-2-3-1 and defend a shit ton. And um, 
And then every other interim manager it would come in, find a quick fix, but it would get more boring. Just get iron out results one time here, one time there. And then you got Potter, who's been told, hey, it's a project. And so he has to come in and he's trying to implement things as the ship is sinking. So I think that's where we haven't seen it. But there was times in this match where it looked good. There was times in his first 9-10 games where things looked good when things were healthy. So I think it's impossible to to say, oh, we don't know what the vision is because he didn't get a preseason. Sorry came in during the summer, and after a full camp, Sorry Ball was there from day one. Lampard had his summer. We knew Lampard wanted to play this open possession style 4-2-3-1-4-3-3 sort of thing. Tuchel gets a summer, and when everybody was healthy last summer, it started looking really good as an expansive 3-4-3. So I think, for one, like people really underestimate what months of work without matches and just repetition can do. And, and on top of that, these aren't his guys. Like, I, I think it, everyone thinks it's such a cop-out, but in reality is every other manager we've had has had the chance to bring people in or they've had the time to think for whole summer how they want to approach this group of people. He's had to do it on the fly with the pressure of being Chelsea football. And it's on top of that, Champions League was happening midweek. And on top of that, the easy matches where he could have experimented, which are usually the League Cup and the FA Cup, we drew Man City twice. So those experimental matches don't get to exist for him either. Now, you see, wait, hold on, Andreas, sorry. Yeah. Right now, what you're giving me are reasons to not sack him. And I totally agree. I agree. But what I'm saying is I haven't seen anything that makes me believe that he is the guy. There's two different, two different, you know, alternatives. Like, why, why, not? I'm not saying we should sack him, but yeah, I just don't see. Like, I, I don't know if he's the guy. I don't, I don't think you'll get to see it because he doesn't have everyone. Like, I, I don't think it's fair sure. to make that judgment call when there's no fullbacks. The center back situation is a total mess. We still have, as much as we loved Keppa's rise in form, he's still Keppa. We've seen it now for three, four matches now in a row. It's still Keppa. And Mendy had surgery, and Mendy's been a shit show too. Like, our best 11 hasn't existed consistently enough for me to think like, oh, let me see what he can do. And, and that's why I guess I'm saying all these reasons not to sack him because I'm waiting for the chance for him to have all his toys ready for him to, to, to see how he wants to play. But Zach, I know you've been itching to, to, to pitch into this. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a quick fix solution to, to seeing what Potter can offer to answer your question, Sam. But I do have an idea. And it's kind of reinforcing what we talked about earlier. I feel like Potter's, the identity that he wants to kind of impose on this team and establish in this team for the future is only going to come if the if he's actually leaning in and utilizing the guys that are going to be here in the future. You know, playing Azpilicueta, who's not going to be here in a year, is not going to help. Playing guys like Koulibaly when he's not in form and Kovacic when he's not in form. I mean, to be honest, both of those guys look like they have one foot out the door anyways. Jorginho's another one. I mean, if you lean in and you actually play some of the younger players, yes, this is a call for youth, but just the guys that are going to be more committed to the actual footballing philosophy itself, 
then we might be able to start seeing, oh, okay, this is how we want to build out of the back. This is how we're going to create our attacks. This is how we're going to counter. This is how we're going to press. And I think it's difficult to do right now because you have a mishmash group of players that half of them are invested in the project and half of them aren't. And you're never going to be able to impose a footballing identity if, it, if, if, if that's the case. It's just a matter of finding that right balance of players and picking and choosing, okay, who's going to do exactly what I tell them? Who's going to execute the game plan to the T? Not a matter of, all right, let me just get my best 11 names out there, which I feel like that's kind of what he's been doing as of late. I mean, I'm just not going to bullshit. I feel like mm-hmm. as of late, it's just kind of uh, Bobby, our friend Bobby used the term divine intervention as opposed to whoever's healthy, he's going to pick the best 11 names out of those healthy guys. It shouldn't be that way anymore. Pick the guys that are going to execute your game plan. Pick the guys that fit the system and profile that you want to play and how you want to play and start playing them week in and week out, regardless of their form, regardless of if we're losing games or winning games. That's the real growing pains. The thing that pisses everybody off right now is that, like, this isn't real growing pains because we're still seeing the old guard do the same things that they've been doing wrong for the last six months. It's really going to be growing pains when we have Badiashil out there, when we have Fofana out there, when Jao Felix gets an extended run, when we're playing guys like Chuck Wameka and Lewis Hall, and, you know, if we had a healthy Broja, Amari Hutchinson, guys like that need to be getting the playing time and be getting opportunities. Even Connor Gallagher, for example. You know, it's, it's not a quick fix, but maybe that's a way that we can start to see the identity. And that's where the criticism on Potter comes in because he hasn't leaned into this whole rebuild, even though he's supposedly been reinforced multiple times by uh, Egbali that his position's going to be safe by come the end of the season, regardless of where we're at in the table. So if that's the case, then fuck it. We're not making the Champions League this year or next season. Unless we win it all. Unless we win it all. (laughs) We're out of two cup competitions. So why don't we just use the league as the opportunity to get guys playing time, get them experience, let them make their stupid-ass mistakes that they're going to make as young players this year, and go into next season fresh, clean slate. And then hopefully by that time in the summer window, we'll also be able to clear out more Deadwood and bring in more guys that are going to be invested in the project. That's just a thought. Yeah, no, and I get the thought. And I hate to continue to be a great cloud because I've really hit rock bottom here. But I think you can play the youth, guys. The thing is, with all these injuries... We still won't see the vision. And, and like, I know it, we've lost a lot recently, so I think people forget. But, like, I think we were seeing it for a little bit where the back four was really expanding into a back three and allowing either Reese James or Chilwell on the opposite side to push into midfield when building out the back. We were seeing a lot more vertical runs from our midfielders past the front three. Like, we saw those things for a while. Now, Fast forward to today and all these injuries happen. And sure, let's see the kids, right? Let's put these kids that are going to be here and, and limit the amount of guys that you're trying to move out. But, but even that flexibility is gone because now Zakaria is out too. Uh, Jorginho is going to have to play this weekend to, to some level. Yeah. Like, so, so now I think we're not seeing shit because now Graham Potter has to put enough bodies out there that's the only reason i think the 343 came out this weekend and, and i talked about it even in the group text i was like i think we're gonna have to see the 343 and then i tried talking myself out but i think that's why there's no vision right now because we are so 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 like shallow in terms of depth 
that now we just have to put things out there. Yeah, so it's so tough to like make that like officially just push go all in on that decision to say fuck this season, let's just play everyone because it really does slow down the rebuild process when you don't get top four. Because if you're if you're trying to attract high level talent in the summer, it's gonna be a lot harder to convince them them to come to you when you're gonna have a year off minimum from playing in Champions League. You know, that's that they want that. Um so I guess I understand it, like why he hasn't officially done that yet. Like just playing the young guys, trying to figure it out, trying to play the best eleven. It's because, like, if if there's a, even a slimmer hope to get top four, we should probably go for it. But yeah, I just feel like I don't know. I I can't. I just don't see it happening What's anymore. The problem. I just don't well, feel my, like top four is gonna happen. No, no, no. But uh, but my counterpoint to that then is if we fear that, then you guys talked about like, oh, maybe we get the deals done for the summer. Fuck it. Like, yeah, we're not gonna have the now. extra funds. We're not gonna have the extra funds in the summer for the Champions League. Shell out the money now for the guys that you think you're going to get in the summer. Caicedo, probably $50 million signing in the summer. Pay the $70 million, get him here. You're not going to get Declan Rice across the line in a January if you're even targeting him still. But, like, the Enzo deal, I'll, I'll keep going back to that one. It's 120. That's what they want. That's what they're asking for. You really think Enzo is going to come here if his stock continues to rise if we're not? In Champions League, it'll be tougher to sell that to him. Yeah. And Kunku, that deal is done, right? In a, in a weird, twisted way, his injury is helping us keep him attracted to Chelsea because people might not want to take a risk on a guy that's coming off a big injury. But um, let's say we do, we are on a trajectory where the Champions League is not a thing. Get the deals done now. Bring them in now and have the growing pains with the new puzzle pieces now. The, the issue that still comes with that is, unfortunately for us, this squad doesn't have movable assets for January. So again, we are stuck between a rock and a hard place because, for example, Aubameyang, unmotivated, wants to go back to Barcelona. Perhaps even that move can't go even on a free because of some sort of registration rules. Ziyech, we know he doesn't want to be here, but we also want to have some value in that signing. So it's like, we have all these things that are just log jams, and, and, and we want to make the change, but we can't get that change now. And, and to go back to what I was saying earlier, outside of the signings, sure, you play the young players, but then if you play all the young players, you have the issue that you don't get the right profiles on the pitch together. Chukwameka dribbles in, dribble, is a progressive dribbler. Mount is a progressive dribbler. No Zakaria or Zakaria, there's no DM in that midfield three. Now we go to Amari Hutchinson. Amari Hutchinson is a left-footed player. He can be on the right wing. Great. We don't have anybody on the on the left wing at this point. Uh, Fofana can play striker. Cool. Play him there. Badia Shield, center back. Great. Fofana, Wesley Fofana, center back. Great. Who the fuck is playing right back if Reese James is hurt? Like, so then you, you sure play all the young kids, let them struggle, but then they can't even be the ones that that put out the vision because we don't have all the puzzle pieces for the vision. So to me, it's just, what what do you do next? You try your best in January to get the pieces that you were going to get in the summer, even if it's at a 20 million plus, like an extra 20 million cost. 
Because you need to start building next year now. Because it's already a wash. We've already discussed it. Our best case scenario, we play in fucking Kazakhstan and then we jump over to fucking Kosovo and we're playing in the whatever com- conference league, whatever the newest European yeah, competition is. And then we'll really be the first fucking team to win it all. So and that's fucking that. shameful that I'm even saying that. <laughs> so what comes next? Patience. Honestly. Like... I don't I'm not asking everyone else to be as like up on Potter as we are, but he's not going anywhere. There is zero chance this ownership is gonna bite the bullet and fire manager and be on manager number three before one full year under Potter, before they can even get him the players he wants to do what he's kind of even trying to do. The things that yeah. we saw a little bit of before the World Cup. So I said it before, I'll say it again. You have to wait till the end of next season. Right now, you're not going to see enough. There is not enough in our 22-man squad that's either healthy or of the right profile or even out there to bring in in January that's going to change anything that we're having issues with right now. The real change is going to come after the summer, and it's after real people get moved away and the right profiles get moved in then. Because even then, they're going to be young players. They're also going to make mistakes. And next season, we'll have its up and downs. But at least then, when everyone's healthy and we get a fresh start, we may see that style, the the building blocks of what Potter Ball is going to look like. Then we can judge, is this guy cut to get us back into top four and keep us there? Because this season ain't it. Tuchel was already struggling to even get results. And then the injuries on top of that happened. Could you imagine Thomas Tuchel with this broken-ass squad right now? Mount would be be playing right wing back, so I would be getting his wish. Let's go. Yeah. Mount at right <laughs> wing back. Pulisic on crutches at left wing back. Like, dude, Mendy with a broken hand still in goal. Like, think. People need to think. It's ugly. It's going to stay ugly. And I hate to, like, put it that way and, and, and come to terms with it because I hate it because I want to see success. But it ain't happening this season. This season, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. And yeah. some. So to so, me, patience. Patience and like pray to God that we don't rush back these guys from injury. There's no point at this time period to, to rush any of our main contributors back into the first 11. So I, my question to you guys then is, and I agree with you, I, I think Potter needs a preseason and then at least, at least, bare minimum through next December, January period to actually make a judgment on whether we're heading in the right direction or not. What's the time frame for you guys? I mean, let's say results keep going down the shitter. Are we going to be having the same conversation every week if we keep losing games? Because I mean, it's easy to say that he's not going to get sacked right now at this point in time. But this whole season he won't. I just yeah. don't see the point. I don't see the point. Yeah. Like this team is is so broken, man. Like and and not broken like the individual players. I just don't think they click. And I and I've said this before. Like Kovacic, fantastic World Cup. Guess what? The Croatia eleven, they make sense as an eleven. Jorginho in Italy makes sense in his eleven for Italy. Like we talked about. Like why are they so good in their country? Those fuckers have like a hundred and plus players to choose from to choose an 11. And if somebody gets hurt, there's like 90 other fuckers that can play in that position that would go to their country and play there. So it's different. We're limited. We're at 22 players. 
And we can't just pick and choose in January who do we want to sign because there's homegrown rules. There's fa financial fair play and other bullshit that we have to think about that we never yeah, mentioned. This is, these are things that every team has to deal with, though. It, okay, not... Zach, great. But we have shoehorned ourselves into having way too many fucking foreign guys. We have yeah. Jorginho, who's still here. Kovacic, foreign. Um, Kai, foreign. Like, Pulisic, foreign. No, all these guys are a hit. They're, they're taking a hit. Like, our only homegrown guys who are, should be in the 11 are all hurt. Like, they're not contributing. They're all hurt. So that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. you're asking me my timeline? If I want to give Graham Potter a full, a true full season, not like all the way till next December. I'm talking summer 2024. That's when you make the judgment because you've made your investments. You now have probably what the team version 1.0 of the project looks like by then. And then you can make the assessment if this guy can actually coach or if we need to get some elite pedigree, proven winner, whatever buzzword people want to hear, into the side. Depressing, man. <laughs> there's because we there's there's so many aspects to this, and like we really only just talked about the on-field product, but there's a lot more to this. Huh? It's like an onion. The more you're peeling back the layers. After this match, I was like, I was really pissed off, and I pretty much like, I got on my notes app and I made a list. I I titled it "List of Shit That Went Wrong with Chelsea Today," but it it's a lot more than just today. And the amount of words that are in all caps in this is is hilarious. Just like that means I was I was yelling while I was typing, and like two of the points that I wrote about, just to show how stupid this season is. Our 60 million pound left back, Kukurea, benched for an 18 year old kid. That transfer is looking worse and worse just every day. And I honestly didn't, I didn't like it from day one. So that, that's something I'll, I'll, I'll give myself credit for not being high on this move. Um, I thought it was ridiculous business at the time, not really like a position of need and just an insane amount of money. The crazy thing is, this is before we got Potter. And then he joined him mid-season. He's the guy who actually played under Graham Potter. He, he flourished under him. But he's getting benched for an 18-year-old. That's, that's insane to me. And the other point with Keppa, I mean, he, another, another pretty much, I'll give him like 90% of blame for that second goal. I, I called this as well. I said when when he started getting uh, starts when uh, when Mendy first got hurt, I told everyone, "Don't trust Keppa for to do this long term. There's gonna be a time where he fucks up multiple times in multiple matches. We've seen it. Now is that time, just as I predicted, and it's 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 now getting to the point where." He's going to lose confidence. He's going to fall down. You know, his, his, his form's going to come down. We got Slonina now. We've got Gabby Slonina. And it sucks that we're not in the FA Cup. We're not in the EFL Cup right now. Because that would be a great opportunity for him to get some starts. But now there's a legitimate hey, conversation it, 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 to be had about I think Slonina. so. I mean, he came over. It's it's a new year. His loan's over. He's officially at the club. 
it's now a conversation because Mendy just had surgery, right? Like he's he he can't come back. So I don't know. Like I would love to see him start against Crystal the Crystal Palace this weekend, but like I, I doubt it'll happen. But I do agree. Oh, I think like it, it goes back to the point that we've been making all pod, where it's like if it's not working in a particular position, try something new. And goalkeeper is a just, it's a disaster because Keppa's reverted to the Keppa of old, the one who is completely incapable of reading the flight path of a, of a ball. I, I also want to point out that Chalaba was doing awful marking on that. But again, his game today was just awful. Kepa's been bad now for, for a few matches. I, 19 other he, goalkeepers in the Premier League come out and either claim that ball or punch it. Yeah. We are. We don't have any of those nineteen. But so yeah. um, you mentioned Palace. You mentioned potentially moving in a keeper. I, I don't want to waste our time talking about what Palace is doing because I think it, at this point it doesn't matter what the other team is doing against us. They're just showing up, and something good's going to happen to them. So, what are you like at this point? Like, what are you hoping for from Chelsea? Because unfortunately, Jao Felix is out for the next three Premier League matches. I said Slonina. I want to see that. Give me Body Ashiel. Give me Tiago Silva. Yeah. Oh. I think Kukurea needs to come back in. I think I think we need a I, I, I think having to. some it's not even a choice. Yeah. I mean Yeah, Kukurea has to play next to Body Ashiel. Um Dare I say it? I mean, I I I don't know who plays at right back. I don't want Dave Mason out there. Mount. I don't know, man. Here's the thing. All I want to see, and I don't, I'm not going to sit here and try to predict the team because who knows what happens between now and Sunday, but yeah. all I know is that I want to see something different. A different group of players. I'd love to see Fofana. I'd love to see Chuck Omeka get a start. I won't mind at all seeing Havertz and Mount benched. Just give give us a new look. Give us a new something refreshing. You know, it, it doesn't even have to work. Just show us that you're willing to try to just throw the kitchen sink at it and see what sticks. In the spirit of that sort of hope, I have a weird feeling that we're going to see an even weirder three at the back. I think we'll see one of those where it's like a three 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 one, and at this point, I think it'll be. I think we're gonna see one of Chalaba or Kulabali one more time, but I do think Badiashiel will get the nod with Thiago Silva, obviously his hand like centering all that. Maybe, maybe you'll see it to where it's. Ziyech at wing back, but he's not really a wing back. Kind of like what we did with Sterling a couple times in like the first two matches under under Potter, with Kukure on the other side staying put. And then I don't know, maybe it'll be something along the lines of Jorginho has to play Kovacic Mount Chukwemeka. And Fofana, hopefully Fofana gets the nod too. Just try to hammer it down. 
quit trying to go all flowy, flowy up top and give Ziyech an actual target man in the box to maybe poke something in. Again, I'm not very positive on this match. I just want to see some fight, man. I just want to see 90 minutes of fight and hopefully not another guy going down with an injury. So, you guys have any any other things you'd like to add at this point? Is there any light at the end of this tunnel yet? Not yet. No, I've been pissed off all day. It really ruined my day. Um, It's been... It's been a tough season. It's going to probably continue going that way. So no more expectations, guys. No more expectations for this team. You know, there's there's only... The, the, the saddest thing is to be sad and alone during times like this. So try to uh, at least be sad and be sad with other people this Sunday. So if you have a a local Chelsea fan's supporting club or, or people that you know that are going to watch the match try to go hang out with some friends it'll be a lot less depressing i know i'm going to try to make it out to to the to the houston crew downtown because i i can't sit here in my living room for 90 minutes alone so um with that honestly if you've listened to this point let us know what you think tweet us at blues on parade give us your full-blown vent session whether you still believe in the project, whether you think it's time to scrap it, what sort of players you think should be out there. We want to know. We're all open to it. Um, but yeah, guys, if you have any light to give us that might be at the end of the tunnel to, to turn our frowns upside down, we're willing to listen. But that's about it, guys. I'll say it very, very timidly, but keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>